0: This episode of Firstline is sponsored by TrueLearn, an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I am so excited to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for Comlex Level 1 prep last year and Level 2 prep this year. For my listeners who are taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE Smart Bank. Each TrueLearn Smart Bank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. TrueLearn includes first aid references for each question and an option to create tests based off of topics. So you can use TrueLearn to help prepare for your school's test during the year. Lastly, if you are in your third year like me, TrueLearn also offers smart banks for shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your new subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. TrueLearn is the first line solution to excelling on your Exam. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and this is First Line. I'm here to bridge the gap between sophisticated doctor talk and oversimplified patient education to bring listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness. Through an osteopathic lens, First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, hot topics in healthcare, the journey to becoming a physician, mental health, relationships, and even philosophy, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Firstline is now available on a variety of platforms, including Spotify and Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon and Audible, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Player FM, Podbean, TuneIn, Reason, and iHeartRadio. Please subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. I just finished a two-week rotation, which has been shorter than my other rotations, which are one month long. So this was half the length of a normal rotation. It was in acute care medicine, which is basically my school's version of emergency medicine. Since we only have two weeks for it, it wasn't in the emergency room. It wasn't in a clinic. It was actually mostly composed of online modules and quizzes to complete. So we learned the material that we needed in order to take the COMET, which is a standardized exam that med students need to take during their third year. So we learned everything that we really needed, but for me it was a little bit difficult to learn the material versus other rotations because I didn't have that hands-on experience actually using the information and actually seeing what emergency medicine is in person and being able to help patients. Whereas in other rotations, such as family medicine, while I was learning the family medicine and doing modules, I was also spending time in the clinic. You can look at this the other way and see that because I wasn't in the clinic, I had more time to study the material. That was a plus. It's especially helpful if you are a self-directed learner like I consider myself to be. Also, having completely virtual classes due to COVID, we have all been used to this kind of format. So I think it was kind of a seamless transition back to what we were used to. Usually for these tests that we have, we have them every month with each rotation, but this one we only had two weeks to study for, and it's still the same amount of questions, the same amount of material, which made it seem a little bit more of a intensive course instead of the, the usual pace. But I ultimately really enjoyed it. The first week was predominantly focused on EKGs, which stands for electrocardiogram. So that's what you see as the computer monitor that has lines going up and down. And when you flatline, that is when there is no activity of, of the heart, electrical activity. So we got to learn these very much in depth, and it's probably even more complicated than you can imagine. I still have not learned everything that could show up on an EKG, and I certainly am not anywhere close to an expert. I don't think I ever will be, too, unless I go into cardiology, but I do have a lot better understanding of it, And that is important for any specialty to be able to interpret. Additionally, a lot of the modules that we completed and a lot of what we were studying included things like pulmonary edema, heart failure, cardiac tamponade, pericardial effusions, different electrolyte disorders, myocardial infarctions, also known as heart attacks, and how to treat those. And how to treat patients when they're in different circumstances, such as being hypothermic, having very low body temperatures, as well as alcohol intoxication, methanol intoxication, amphetamine use, cocaine use, even benzo overdose. Very serious conditions such as aortic dissection and esophageal rupture pulmonary embolism, pericarditis, stroke, and of course with a lot of emergency medicine you're usually the first line seeing opiate overdoses and different substance use issues like I kind of mentioned already and even different kinds of infections like urinary tract infections and meningitis. There was also a great focus on very acute disorders such as shock, and there's many different types of shock that we have to know about and recognize these different patterns of. And then also knowing how, how to treat that, the first step that you would take in stabilizing a patient, which is a lot of what emergency medicine is all about. Additionally, things like asthma exacerbations, COPD exacerbations, and how to treat those can think of other things like pneumothorax and barotrauma and even things like comas and also how to do a trauma primary survey when someone is brought in and has some kind of trauma and you're the first physician that they're seeing. They call it the ABCs. You look at their airway, their breathing, and then their circulation. So kind of just a stepwise process to look at a patient very quickly and determine what needs to be done first and a lot of what we were looking at also had to do with what types of imaging to order so like you probably heard of things like ct mri x-ray ct angiography and maybe even different labs like d-dimers and really the job of emergency medicine physician in addition to stabilizing the patient is knowing what tests order not ordering too many tests or tests that take too long to wait for a result really what is priority for the emergency medicine department then you have other things that you might think of with emergency medicine like lacerations and gunshot wounds even things like spider bites, like a recluse spider bite versus a black widow bite and how that looks different. What was surprising to me was so many of these emergent conditions have to do with the eyes. So you can think of things like hemorrhage and corneal abrasions and keratitis, as well as uveitis, which affects the iris of the eye angle closure glaucoma, which is this sudden painful vision loss that often results in seeing halos. And also you can injure your optic nerve, which could be caused from a penetrating trauma, something sharp going into your eye, or indirectly uh, with just general trauma to your head or to the orbit. Then of course we learned about things like meniscal tears, shoulder dislocations, compartment syndrome, pancreatitis, appendicitis, diverticulitis, chemical burns, heat exhaustion, abdominal aortic aneurysms. I know I just listed off a ton of things, but I hope this gives you an overview of emergency medicine and what kind of things that they deal with whether you're a med student or not. uh, I hope that it's at least interesting to you to hear about that, to understand really the breadth that emergency medicine can cover, because I think a lot of times emergency medicine is generalized a little bit too much as just almost a referring doctor just the first stop at the hospital and then a patient immediately gets admitted to the hospital doesn't always work like that and sometimes emergency medicine patient that comes in isn't necessarily a trauma patient could be someone with an overdose or it could be someone that has waited for a condition to worsen so much that they have no choice but to come into the emergency medicine department. I think a lot of that With hyperglycemia in diabetics when their diabetes isn't controlled well, whether it's type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes, there's two different syndromes that can result in hyperglycemia in each one. I do wish that I had some opportunity to work in the emergency room, but I do know that I will have a lot of opportunity to do that during my fourth year, if I so choose. I ultimately really enjoyed learning about how to take care of an acute patient, which just means a patient that is showing up needing immediate attention because as you know, if you've listened to my previous episodes, most of my rotations have been in the outpatient setting where a patient has an appointment scheduled ahead of time, and then they come in a few weeks later to be seen, and obviously it wouldn't be that urgent if they're willing to wait a few weeks. Sometimes I question patients like, wow, you really could could have seen us sooner, you've been in a lot of pain for a long time, but... For the most part, it is patients kind of following up on different issues, so I haven't been able to really see too much of these very urgent issues, but I am looking forward to, in late November, starting my internal medicine rotation, which will be in the hospital setting. I will see more acutely sick patients that need care a little bit more urgently than in the outpatient setting. I wanted to take a few minutes of this episode to touch on something that I've been meaning to record about for about two months now. On September 10th, First Line lost its most loyal listener. This listener was my grandmother, who I who I have been very close with my whole life. She was the grandma that was always hosting Christmas Day, Christmas Day dinner, as well as Thanksgiving. And she was the grandma that was present at all of the important events in my life, graduations. My wedding would spend at least one week every summer. Spending time with her in Ocean City, Maryland, where my family traveled for beach vacation. She has always been so supportive of me in everything that I do. Uh, Choosing to go to medical school, starting this podcast. She (laughs) listened to every single episode while having hospice care. Towards the end, my mom had to help her out with setting up the podcast so she could listen to it, but she she always did. I frequently heard from my mom that she was brought to tears a few times because of how proud she was of me that that meant so much to me, especially um being states away in her in early days and <laughs> I'm tearing up a little bit right now and and you can tell I mean I had to wait two months to really talk about this and I'm I'm still not I'm still not healed from it I just have so many great memories of her she has always inspired me so much she was diagnosed with ovarian carcinoma which is cancer in her ovaries After I got married and moved away to medical school, her prognosis was over 90% for eradication. She was put on chemotherapy very shortly after her diagnosis. Later, she got a bilateral oophorectomy, which she got both of her ovaries removed. And after that, she did two more rounds of chemo, and that was supposed to be the end of it, to get the last of it. On her imaging, and this was this year, 2021, she got imaging back that the cancer had basically metastasized everywhere in her pelvis and abdomen. She had signs of cirrhosis of liver failure, ascites, and very, very bad condition. She decided to continue with chemotherapy. I took Comlex Level 1, which is the board exam for DO students. I took that exam on July 8th, after which I had such a relief of stress that you couldn't believe unless you are a med student as well. That night, while I was kind of celebrating, because that's the start of my summer, I got. News that my grandmother decided to start hospice, thus, discontinuing her chemotherapy and receiving treatment to make her feel comfortable. That following Monday, July 12th, was when I posted my first episode of First Line. I was definitely partly motivated to start this podcast because of her. I was reminded that life is very short and I am very saddened that she's not going to be around to see my children and those would be her great-grandchildren. I want to be around for my great-grandchildren And I want my mom to be around her great-grandchildren and my grandchildren. I want to help other people to live long, healthy lives as much as they can. I know what I'm doing is a small thing, really. I don't have millions of listeners by any means, but... I do hope that I can impact a few people, even one person is enough. That motivates me every day to get in front of the mic and to talk and to speak on my story, my expertise, even though it's starting from not too much just being a medical student, but I do know that The information that I'm learning is valuable, and I want to share it and help other people make good decisions for themselves. I just wanted to uplift my my grandmother. After she was put on hospice, I was able to visit her very shortly after and see her in a state of her being obviously because of the chemo being very weak having lost her hair but her still smiling and asking me how i'm doing and the thing that was bothering her most at that time was just that she was having some pins and needles in her in her fingers and kind of getting weakness in her hands and that was her complaint unfortunately the next time I saw her was uh, September 9th. I was grateful because I was in my underserved rotation at the time and I had a Friday off, completely off. So on Thursday afternoon, after getting off of the clinic, uh, me and my husband drove from Virginia to Pennsylvania which is about 5 or 6 hours, so we got there at, like, 11 p.m. My mom was staying with my grandma, and my grandpa is also there. And we got there pretty late at 11, and we we stayed with them until probably 2 a.m. My grandma at that point was semi-conscious, kind of in and out. Uh, She knew I was there, and... Um, at that point, uh, she was very much needing assistance with every activity of daily living. And my mom, being a nurse, she knew that it was nearing the end. So we left there at like 2 a.m., and I got a call from my mom just Ten hours later that um, she passed away. And I'm just so grateful for God's timing that allowed me to see her just hours before she passed. And even though she wasn't she wasn't really present, And she wasn't herself, still being there and her knowing that I was there meant so much to me and gave me the ability to say goodbye, which meant the world to me. And it was almost like she was holding on, holding on in order to see us one last time. And luckily, she was a believer. She is a believer. So, she is with her Savior now, which I'm very grateful for. She always lived a faithful life, and even through her diagnosis the fact that she had a 90% plus prognosis and then ended up in such a bad condition I don't know if it was chance or because of something wrong with the system or mistake by one of the doctors but everything she was handed seemed so unfair and everything was stacked against her and she still had so much faith and so much trust in God's plan the ability to smile and to support me and send me handwritten letters every month even when her handwriting was going downhill Uh, her funeral was the following week and Really, everyone she knew came out for it. She worked as a medical assistant. She's been retired for quite a while, but they closed down the whole clinic, and all of them came, the doctors, the nurses, all of them came to pay their respects and to tell me and my family how much she meant to them and how... How much she cared for other people and just in the world to me her being my grandma of course she was always nice to me but hearing how nice she was to everyone else and how selfless she was was amazing just to close this out i want to read what i posted um a day after she passed away i wrote my grandma passed away yesterday after losing her battle with cancer It's hard to put into words how much she means to me. Her faith in God, strength, and positivity during the last year have been inspiring and also reflective of how she lived her life, enjoying every moment, traveling the world, and always having a grateful spirit. Everyone who knew her knows that she had a great sense of humor and contagious joy. I aspire to be the kind of loving wife she was for the last 52 years and hope to someday be as great of a mother and grandmother as she was. Hold your family members very close. You will miss the time that you have with them when they're gone. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I'm on Instagram at First Line Podcast. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. You can reach out for any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again. so much for listening again i'm on instagram at first line podcast also on facebook facebook.com slash first you can reach out for any questions comments suggestions feedback i'd love to hear from you thanks again